1: Getting my dad to say I love you. To say what? Very nonsense. Unravish. Very nonsense. All right, dads. This week we've got Gareth Reynolds, who I'm interviewing. You been reading about Gareth Reynolds for me? A little bit, yes. He's um, a very successful comedian, entertainer, yes. An entertainer. (laughs) I'll tell him that. Very successful comedian entertainer, also a podcaster with a very successful podcast called The Dollop. Well, isn't
0: that an entertainer in the current world?
1: It is. It is an entertainer. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't saying you were wrong. No, I just that's why I was trying to make it the, the, more the broad. You're one. making it broader. You see, you've been very sweet. He's got a very successful podcast, and usually, like his dad, it's about American historical figures. Ah, oh,
0: American historical figures.
1: Yes. The dollop. The dollop. They normally talk about a famous person from history. Uh, with his co-host Dave Anthony and then they uh, sort of recap an event and he learns stuff from it it's it's kind of like me learning stuff from you
0: oh right yes okay
1: yeah so and he's he's American he's got a British uh, family I know that from his stand-up when we've done shows together So but he, he's, he
0: came from Milwaukee or somewhere up.
1: up, up yeah um, he's from the, the the northeast part of America yes yeah, where they do quite good beer I think I'm going to go chat to Gareth and uh, find out about his parents.
0: So uh, were his, I couldn't work out, were his parents English? Yes.
1: Yeah, his his mum and his grandmother's English. His grandmother's definitely English. I'm going to get more details from him and then I'm going to see you later. All right. I love you. Okay. Welcome my guest for this week's podcast, Mr. Gareth Reynolds. How are you, mate? Good, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thanks, man. I'm good. And what I like to do at the top, rather than do all the small talky things that us Brits love to normally do, uh, I want to just get straight into it and find out: have both your parents said the phrase "I love you" before in your direction?
3: Yes. Okay. They my have, father yeah. to the my father to a point where I was a kid, where I was like, I, I get it, just stop. Oh, really? I love you so much. Yeah. Really, just, he, he was, was very it out all the time. Yeah, he went through like a weird, like midlifey thing, and then he went to a cave for like three weeks with other men in their forties and like beat drums <laughs> with their shirts off. And he came back, and he was always like, "Do you want to talk about your feelings?" And I was like, "No, I'm just, I'm pissed off." And he'd be like, "I love you." I'd be like, "Just stop saying that."
1: This is amazing. I want to. So, yeah. well, can we drill in? Let's drill down into that a bit. <laughs> what? Sure. What is? What is the cave? The caveman. Thing. That feels like something like if you wrote that in like a script, someone would go, it's a bit too on the nose. No one actually does that. But your dad actually.
3: Yeah, I feel like if I feel like it's probably, yeah, it's either been in films or now people would be like, obviously, that's a bad example. But something like the cave drumming with their shirts off. <laughs> yeah. Her, yeah, I mean he my so my parents were like had the weirdest marriage where like they were pretty much not together for most of my childhood but they kind of pretended they were or they were like separated and um and so I could never really figure out what was going on and then um you know during one of their many sort of fluctuations my father was just like really struggling and um and you know, I mean as you my mother was like my mother is very English in the way that it's like feelings are something you ignore you know what I mean like mm-hmm, and my father mm-hmm. was like I need to find out what's inside of me as a man and um <laughs> and then he like told her you know and then so I was a kid and she you know I'd be like where is he going and she'd be like oh he's just going off to the, the cave with other men to just bang a drum or something like that and then he he came back and he had like this drum that he'd made and he was like. I want to explain why this drum is important to me. And I'd be like, "Uh, I'm like 11. Amazing. What the fuck is happening right now?
1: That's so funny. Um, your dad basically had yeah. a gap year, a very compact gap year, as we'd <laughs> yeah, call it totally. in the UK.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had like a 40s rumspringer.
1: Yeah, that's hilarious. And your mum, that's funny that your mum is, because I've seen your, your stand-up about your mum, and uh, you paint her as this very... Very small British lady, uh, which is partly why I wanted to have you on here. As an American with British parents, it's kind of a fun little um, juxtaposition of you guys. So she, yeah, but she, so she was, is she less effusive with the loves than your dad. She didn't go into a cave and bang a drum, and or was she always just like, I love you, but let's not make a scene about it, that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, it was more, it was more like that, very loving, but yeah, not as on the nose of you know the emotional stuff. Even now. Like, any time it gets a, a, a modicum of emotion with my mother, she will, you know, kind of be like, oh, we don't need to get to know that.
4: You know, yes, you're like, well, yes, no, yes. this is like
3: serious shit. <laughs> but but I, I think also because my father became so tapped into it that she probably, because they did not like each other, she probably even veered harder in the other direction. Yeah. You know, Loves, we don't say love in this house. We like each other a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but she's very sweet still and very and and we do tell each other we love each other now like you know often but but my father would be like I, I was talking about this on stage the other night just I don't even remember how it came up but um when I was like 7 years old 6 or 7 very young we were at the 4th of July fireworks in Wisconsin and I was just being a little ham in front of all these older like you know drunken Wisconsin couples that were there with my, my parents. And I just started talking about what I thought sex was. And I said, you know, and someone, someone just was like prodding me. Someone was like, wait, 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 sh- sh- what, what is sex? And I was like, sex is when the guy puts his penis in the girl's butt and he pees. And, wow. and they just lost their minds. And then my father like pulled me off to the side and he was like, I want to explain to you what sex really is. And I was just like, Oh my God, no, this is not, what I had intended, and he was like, "It's a beautiful, loving expression." And I was like, "Oh, wow. oh God, it's revolting well, gr- what he's doing." That's more to me.
1: revolting than your description of sex. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> and it would have been great if he was like, "You put your penis in the butt and you do pee, but it is the loving. The, it's a way of expressing. <laughs> it's
1: making love to someone's bum with urine rather it's, than.
3: Uh... <laughs> it's it, you shoot your love pee into the bum." And that's what, but he goes on to explain it, and he and he caps it. The fireworks are going off in the background. I'm missing the fireworks, and he goes, you know, it's a lot like fireworks. And I was like, oh wow, God, you've like ruined fireworks and sex so quickly. Oh my God! And I was like, I was so so young.
1: Kaiser soze that description. He just saw
3: a thing. and said that was it. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) oh, it limps. Oh, it is a limp. (laughs) The limp is fake. oh that's hilarious what a yeah. sweet man what about here. your what, like are, good... what are you, what are your parents like with that sort of stuff
1: i love it when i'm chatting to, this happens a lot here when i'm chatting to another podcast host they just flip that shit around on me halfway through the <laughs> you're asking me well, questions but it's interesting no, i know you're curious
3: mean. Quite, nature versus nurture I'm yes curious. of course are because your, your father is such a goddamn character
1: yeah it's really funny because um no, I like doing it. I think it's more natural, right? It's quite weird for me to just be. Tell me all about your life, and I will tell you nothing about it. <laughs>
3: and for me also, to be like, next, what is your next question of my life? Y- yeah, exactly. Um,
1: yeah, it's funny. I, I was thinking. I keep. I keep. Um, when you say stuff like about your parents together, my parents are still together, um, right? And they do like, but like for my whole childhood, I was like, if if they'd got divorced at any point, I'd be like, yeah. That makes sense. You're know like, of course. Yeah. Because, um, totally. I know, I know every relationship's different, but they're very, um, my whole childhood just constant arguing and stuff. So I've kind of really sought to have the, I hate conflicts because of this. And I, I, kind of will do anything to avoid, um, that sort of thing in my relationship. But, um, yeah, they've always been like that. But they do, but they're quite amusingly just to now. My mum, but I, I honestly think my mum is with my dad because she laughs, finds him funny, just, to laugh at not even with just at she just went to in our whatsapp group she went guess what your dad's doing in the car right now uh, and i went i don't know she goes it's hilarious i'm gonna send you photos and it's him just like uncomfortably climbing on seats and stuff and she just found it someone had blocked his door so he couldn't open it so she just found it funny watching a big guy <laughs> tried to climb over <laughs> seats in a
3: small car just, you just, just like, imagine all those and keys jangling getting caught on stuff all his key fucking, collection yeah.
1: Is over his <laughs> filthy car. Yeah, so... Um, but he's funny. I, and then, and then weirdly, I started. I showed that to another friend just now. This is all kind of the universe working in weird ways, if you believe in that shit. But how it's just all very on top I,
3: it, I yeah. do. I go to a cave and drum. So I'm very... Yeah, I've got, yeah, yeah you
1: get <laughs> passed on to me from I my get father. It. I um, get it. Uh, you get the cave drumming so well. Um, so, yeah. And then another mate was talking about his dad, just now in a text to me. But he's just... It's impossible to communicate. And I realized my dad only really talks about history, food, and how much money I got paid for something. Those are the only three things he could talk <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, the
3: money, that's, that's no, the thing with is, my family. How much? How the money much? is always, yeah. How much? Is yeah, it, always. Just anything. Is it, maybe that's a oh, British that's a good country. amount. Oh, that's not yeah. enough. Yes,
1: yes. Is that British? Well, I don't know if it's British.
3: Americans care about money. We, we're a capitalist countries yeah. either way, right? So. Um, my mother, though, for, it feels a bit incongruent with my mother sometimes, the amount that she cares about money. Like, why where, does it? I why think is because inc- they
1: incongruent with her.
3: Well, I just think because you would, you know, she, you know, when you grew up in England in the time where she grew up, they were, my, I mean, they grew up really poor, and then my, you know, my mother's around for like the seventies and eighties, where it was just like you could buy a house for like eight hundred pounds, and uh, you okay. know, and that was it, and then so she has a very comfortable life, but she still will like penny pinch, and you know, is obsessed with money, like her if her gas bill is like. 30 pounds for three months she'll be on the phone with the gas company just sort of like you're not going to do this to me you you will not do this you know and i'm just like mom you have the money it's not about the money i'm like well it is about the money you just pay the fucking thing still does hot water bottles versus puts heats on you know oh wow like, that's that's oh yeah old school
1: mate two that's... she
3: does two she'll do one for her feet and one for her legs like amazing that's like student yeah. living that that's like
1: don't turn the heat just yes. wear nine sweaters instead of turning very the much. heat on
3: that i that's a very good comparison for what my, my mother lives like a student my she like, is, like a student
1: is, without without any roommates it's like yeah maybe she
3: probably does no she probably rents a cupboard to someone and i don't know it or something like that
1: <laughs> yeah that's funny
3: which part of the uk does she live in london no, she lives in Stourbridge, uh, so West Midlands, nearest. Oh Ishberg, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolverhampton.
1: I haven't done a show. Oh yeah, okay. Right, I know Wolverhampton. I've done a show there. I did not I did not enjoy that show at all. Um, nothing against Wolverhampton. I'm sure people are lovely, but the gig I did was absolutely average. Um, that's funny. I don't, Yeah, that's. It's a funny thing that isn't. It? But maybe. But you're saying I wonder why. But isn't that because of uh growing up? My mum grew up poor, and she's very much. I think it's like, I will become poor again if I'm not careful with my money. Is that not where it comes from?
3: I think it definitely... It's definitely part... Yeah, I think it's definitely part of that. I mean, I have that. I I have that completely, where I am like, you know, I live... I think it's partially the parental thing, and then I think it's partially that when... Like when I first moved to LA, my job was I dressed up like superheroes for kids' birthday parties. That was like my first I, job. I, my, I did that I,
1: when we got here. Loads of British people were doing that, and um, yeah, Hannah nearly did that as a little side job, and then she got told.
3: I'm glad she avoided
1: it. Yeah, she got. T- I well, just sorry. It's a tan- tangent on that. She got told if no. you're going to do it, you have to come for training where you don't get paid and you have to share a hotel room with some other person. She was like, "I'm done. What? No." And then another mate of mine told me he did it for there's like different companies. So I don't know if this is one company yeah. was like the really rich one, and one was like, they'll send you anywhere. And he said he got sent down to like Compton, and <laughs> some guy whipped a gun out because uh. so, they weren't happy with what he did. And he had to like run into his car dressed as like Mr. Incredible <laughs> and drive away while someone's waving a gun. People are like, Mr. Incredible, you'll outrun the bullets. What is he doing? <laughs> what are why you in- driving? What? Why is Mr. Incredible driving a Fiat Punto? It
3: doesn't make any sense. I, I have a joke about that where I'm Batman and the kids are, want to see the Batmobile. And they follow me to my car and you're trying to just justify why you drive like a broken ass Honda Civic. But um <laughs> but but I, I did the parties for probably you know, probably four years and then got some good work and I was able to walk away and I was like living like an idiot. I was like, I'll buy dinner, all this stuff and then eventually ran out of money and had to go back to them. So I think that trauma combined with the mm-hmm. English you know, nature uh, of the way my mother still views poverty is right around the corner. Like my mother will, there's, a, there's, a, it, it. basically sounds like a magic wall in her town where people will just put things on this wall to take. And the amount of stuff that my mother will go take that she doesn't need, like, like stuff like spoons. I love or, that. Or uh, just like a, odd ceramics. Um, And she'll hold them up like, you know, they are like animal heads that she's just come back from the kill and, you know, has just got enough meat to fortify through the long cold winter. And I'll be like, but you don't spoon, need any more a champagne spoon,
1: flutes. A spoon sticking out of the wall, just like a tidy spoon. Yeah, above look, I, I <laughs> never, I
3: remember thing. that hunt. That was not an easy one. I had to pull that away from a little child's sausagey fingers, when he was trying That's to get hilarious. his hands on the spoon at the same time. But she'll like hold up like a thing of champagne flutes and be like, "Look at these!" And I'm like, "You are. It's just you. You don't need four more flutes. You have plenty." But she, you know, so she is very. She was in LA one time she she i had I made her get rid of this, but she found a head of lettuce on the ground uh. <laughs> and and took it home to prepare and because it was in the bag from the store felt Amazing. that it was okay. and I Amazing. was like, no, not only is it not okay, like this is just not you're not in stoubridge this is like you know Echo Park, don't be eating street lettuce. Street I'll lettuce. buy you lettuce. That's funny. Um,
1: she probably didn't even wash so it. She probably wanted to just, blow, just give it a quick blow and rub on her jumper. You know,
3: <laughs> well, that'll do. Well, she's, she's certainly the person who goes, it says pre-washed. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not I'm not into the pre-wash fabrications. But they've already washed it. I'm like, they haven't. I don't believe that they have. In this country, I don't believe there is a station dedicated to someone like, hold on now, let's get the germs off this
1: lettuce. I agree. Can I just, on, on this is another tangent, I do rinse the lettuce in water, but then I realized, what are we doing there? That's not doing anything, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's not It's not just giving no, the, it a the rinse. the water of, isn't. The water's not. Are well, you, are you, are you, have you, have you ever got vegetable the... wash?
3: Have you got vegetable wash? Yes. The, are you, well, I make it? vegetable wash. I wow. make vegetable wash. I've I used wondered about apple this. Cider Tell me about vinegar. vegetable wash. Okay, right. I dilute apple cider vinegar and lemon. And uh, that I read was a pretty – now, again <laughs> – you know, we're not. There's not. It's not like the germs are like, run for the hills. You know, but I. To me, the water wash has never made any sense. The water wash has never made
1: any sense. Yeah, I still do it like a sheep. And then, but what you're saying has also <laughs> made me laugh because I feel like anything around the house where you're looking for a natural version, just apple cider vinegar. What is that?
3: What is a- it? Everything.
1: You, everything. What is a- it's it? It's apple
3: cider vinegar and lemon. But everything Sorry, is your leg. Is-,
1: is your leg falling off your body? Just rub a bit of apple <laughs> cider vinegar. i right? will sort that it,
3: out. It is. Everything is apple. Everything. You're doing a cleanse. You need apple cider. Well, I wake up, take some apple cider vinegar. I'll put a little apple cider vinegar on that fungus. I'll get yeah. right rid of it.
1: I can't wait to Every- the day so I, I get cancer and just go. But I had apple cider vinegar all my life.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that that's work. not gonna do it. We're uh, gonna need to send you to chemo, which is mainly apple cider vinegar. <laughs>
1: Uh Imagine so that you, know. you go in and, So what is in this what is in this intravenous
3: Well, it's, it's, ma- a it's a little it's bit it's of lemon there. and uh but it's mainly apple cider vinegar diluted. It's basically a vegetable wash. It's a vegetable wash. It's uh, you know the thing a that Gareth Reynolds puts on his lettuce. That's
1: going in your body it's, right now.
3: Yeah, <laughs> then I am like that uh the woman who came up with that fan the, the 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 blood testing thing from Walgreens, yeah, yeah, Elizabeth, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rocking Silicon Valley with my, they they unmask me to be only have apple cider vinegar.
1: So I can see you doing a big <laughs> unveiling, just you there, moustache, just in a cool, in, in a in a hoodie and stuff, hood, hood over, little <laughs> hood over
3: your head. End Mike. Whip it back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Go end sync, Mike. Hold up a little thing. Not a lot of people realize the
3: future is with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in jail eventually. Apples, cider, vinegar. <laughs>
1: Combine. <laughs> oh, funny
3: shit! Yeah, this is so not about this is so. This not can fit in your pocket. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh fuck me! It's making me <laughs> laugh so much. Okay. My favorite bit in the podcast. That is true, so though. Every
3: every if you ever Google like any like yeah, anything that's just like ten household hacks. Four of them are apple cider vinegar based.
1: It is always. It's it's, it's an observation that I wrote in my book ages ago. And I've never found. I never. I felt like if I did that gig, no one's going to care. What I need is an audience full
3: of you that I can just. I think about. you'd be surprised. I bet you in California it would go over well. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, the other thing with the apple cider vinegar is when you use it, it's like, you know when things gross you out that shouldn't. Like, like you, you know. But it's almost like seeing how the sausage gets made. When a big chunk of the apple comes out of the apple Mm. cider vinegar, I'm just like, "Oh, yucky!" Yeah, it's true. This is (laughs) it's like it's you eat these. These are apples. I'm like, that is icky and pooey and I want no part of it.
1: Yeah, that's very true. That's very funny. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, Try it out gro- next hour. Oh, gross, a, a pre cut junk covered inside. Oh my vinegar. god,
3: I think this came from apples!
1: Oh, oh my horrifying. god, horrifying! My face hurts from laughing. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> What's the podcast about, Chris? Well, you know, a lot of people think it's about parenting, which actually, like most things in life, is actually about <laughs>
3: apple cider vinegar. You know, the yeah, key. the key to parenting is apple cider vinegar. Yeah, it, it, is,
1: it is. Um. <laughs> Fuck! What were we talking about? We were talking about. Um, it doesn't matter. Anymore. Oh, poor,
3: it's... poor. Well, no, but my yeah, that came off of the washing the lettuce, which washing is due lettuce, to the poverty the mind that my my family will never shake.
0: Come here,
1: son.
4: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June.
0: com slash acast.
1: let's vaguely steer this back onto a course but i'm always happy to go down a nice little um a nice little side street into apple cider vinegar road um yeah, of course but uh the poor thing's interesting so when you when you came to la and you're but what's your how, your parents are British, so just so they moved to America together. Is that what
3: happened? Yeah my um, my mother had my brother, and uh, we pretend that that father was Robert Plant and left because my my brother has never met his real father, but he was oh, he was wow. super young. Right. Then she met my father. They got married super uh, soon after that. My father somehow got offered a job in Ohio. He took the job. They went to Ohio, and my mother thought she was moving to Beverly Hills, and they wow. went to Ohio, and, um, and then, yeah, just really started living like a Midwestern American lifestyle, and my mother, who is, you know, just as English as they come, was experienced extreme culture shock, and then they moved to Wisconsin probably about four or five years after that, and then I was born in Wisconsin uh, to them. And, um, and yeah, it was, and I kind of, you know, I kind of walked, it basically like my life was like walking in in the middle of like a heated conversation. And then I was just like, there's a lot of tension in this house. Wait, were you guys talking about me?
1: You guys come, you come out, your mums uh, like, servant, you come out the womb
3: and like, Hey guys, break it up, break it up. All right. Break it up. Just- yeah, no, enough, enough. Yeah, the doctors are separating my parents. Now, someone slap the baby when we get a minute.
1: They're arguing over who's going to cut the umbilical cord, and you're just like, "Someone yeah. cut the fucking umbilical
3: cord!" Yeah, no <laughs> it looks point. like that apple that came out of the vinegar, actually. Yeah.
1: So then, so I'm curious. Then, your mum, both British, and you know, then does your does your mum lives in the UK, and your dad? Does he live in the UK again, or is he still in America?
3: No, he still lives in Wisconsin. Interesting. So. Do you move from there to? That's LA? my like, way of saying they're not together anymore.
1: Yeah, well, I feel I figured that from context. It'd be, um, yeah. it'd be, it'd be, would be amazing <laughs> if they were still together. After it
3: actually, would be it. the only way to make it work, honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Yeah, what if they're in different countries? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've just got yeah. a Zoom. They've got a long distance relationship for twenty years. So, did you? Yeah. When you decide, did you go? You kind of had the weird jobs and stuff. Did you go into entertainment pretty soon after? Did you go to? I don't, yeah, I'm just curious how they took that. Your mum yeah. with a poverty mindset. So mine was very much like, "What are you doing?" You know, trying to do, do comedy. And when I started making money, she was like, "Okay, cool." And then she saw me do stand up and was like, "I don't know whether you should do this anymore," because uh, I had an awful <laughs> gig that she first came to. Uh, but I have
3: I have the same first experience with my mother seeing me do stand up. I
1: um well, so, well tell me yeah that, I then. mean tell me that story because I, I want to hear well that okay well. so
3: so well that was basically my mother had has lived in LA on and off a couple of different times. Um, you know, and now kind of splits her time a little bit more betwixt the two, but mainly she's English. Um, but she had lived in LA for probably three years and was getting ready to move back. And I, and she had never seen me do standup, but I was actively, you know, on the road and doing gigs in LA pretty often at that point. And um, we were having dinner and she was leaving in like two or three days or something. And I, I had a gig that night and I said something and I didn't, and I, you know, it didn't really bother me, but I did find it a little strange. And so I think I said like, you know, last chance to see a gig while you're here, but this would not be the gig. I You know, there's 30 other gigs I would have invited her to. Mm-hmm. And she, well, maybe, maybe I will come. Maybe I will come. And I'm, I go, ah, well, and it was at, now, do you remember the John Lovitz Comedy Club? No, I, I
1: think I got here after that. Lucky, that that Um, that pause spoke
3: volumes about the game. (laughs) It's it. Where was it? It was. I knew. It it was. It was in Universal City. So, which also is just like the dumbest LA name for a place. Yeah. But you basically to get to the club, you have to pay like twenty dollars to park in universal so it's just like a huge ask for someone to go they 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 are and and it's a huge it's it's i mean it's it's part of universal studios so it is like it's in a mall it it is it's just it's like on the third floor it's just a pain in the ass um and i sort of am going like "Ah, eh, it's probably not the best one to go to but but i am headlining quote unquote which you know doesn't mean like Hey, here's your the guy you came to see. It's really hey, this guy. We're gonna make this guy go last. Hopefully, he doesn't bail. And how how long and, have you um, been
1: doing stand up at this point? How 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 <sighs> how experienced
3: do you feel? You uh, probably about six ish years. So okay. I'm I definitely have good material, You're but decent, I'm definitely yeah. yeah I'm definitely having shows still that are you know not great, but more shows are good than bad. But this this club. I knew was not great because they, they kept offering me headlining spots. So I'm going, anyone that's offering me this amount of headlining yeah. spots is not, yeah. there's Along- something wrong. Like, I don't even want to tell them that this is a red flag. Yeah. Um, and the club was set up with, first of all, you didn't need three-tiered seating because, again, it was not like the opera and people were not attending this club, as you can tell by the fact that it's no longer with us. Yeah. But it did. It had, it had like, a smaller downstairs, and then it had, like, a second tier, and then it had a third tier. Oh, so it had, like, enormous theater seating, but it was, like, 150 seats or something like that. It was mm-hmm. it was just not from design. It was, like, if Bar Rescue came in, the guy would lose his shit so quickly. <laughs> uh, he would just be screaming at, like, Get, bring me the architect! And, um... <laughs> And so I, I tell her, you know, I'm like, I'm setting expectation. Like, you know, this, it's not the best club, you know, and, and, and I get there and they've, it's one of those shows where it's like, all right, there's 15 comics and then you'll go up let And I'm going, oh, for fuck's sake. So by the time it gets to me, the room is just dead. The people are sick of it. Whether there's been good comedy or bad, people are leaving. There were probably 40 people to begin with. Oh, by the time God. it gets to me, it's dropped down to about 20 people. And by the time it actually gets to me, I see people getting ready to leave. And so I recognize that... the I know You know you know the feeling where you're like, I'm going to eat shit. This mm-hmm. is an eat shit night. I'm going to eat shit up here. And I say to my mother, I go, I'm going to bring you up on stage and have you sit next to me while I do this. And she's like,
1: why, why? Oh, and I God. said,
3: because this room is dead that I need to do some. So I'm like, I'm going to get up there and then I'm going to bring you up. And she's like, Okay, I'm just anything to like spike the rating. So Mm -hmm. so I get up there, you know, and I go, uh, you know, it's funny. My mother has never seen me do stand-up before. And since this room is uh, uh, toxic, I'm going to bring my mother up here and have her. So you guys can sort of listen to me, but also watch my mother watch me do stand-up for the first time, which I'm like, maybe it will get a pulse in this room to some extent. So I bring up a little chair, sit her down. And she's there, and it, it, again, doesn't move the needle much. It's not like people are like, oh, I'm going to stick around. People are still leaving. People are like, this is weird. Um, but so she's sitting there, and you know, I, I'll go on like a six-minute chunk that at times murders, and it just dies. And yeah. I'll look at her, and I'll go, you see, this normally does well, but here it oh, is God. bombing. I'm and this. as I'm, I'm doing probably 20, 25 minutes, and at one point as I'm going through it, I am doing a bit, and I look over, and she is picking lint off of her leggings. <laughs> She's like in her own world. Amazing. She is totally ignoring me, and I'm like, "You're ignoring me, and That's you're amazing. on stage, and I'm your son, and you've never seen this before, and you're disinterested." And um, yeah, it was just it was a merciless a merciless <laughs> beating.
1: With you know, she, just, what did she, she say no, afterwards? What did she say afterwards? That's what. I'm
3: what she said in. afterwards was. Oh, yes. No, I mean, I thought it went all right. And then she kept saying the couple days after the idea that I brought her up on stage, she she thought was admirable. I kept thinking that that was a good idea. You did that. That was a good idea that you've done that. (laughs) You know, so she found she thought it was uh, impressive that I was trying to solve the puzzle, but acknowledged the fact that, yeah, there was just no pulse (laughs) in the fucking room. The room was dead.
1: Amazing. So when but then that's having seen you eat shit and then probably go, uh, but like, was she supportive before when you went, I'm going to do this before she'd even seen you? Was she still supportive after that? Like, was your, de- I'm, I'm interested because the thing I, I kind of always talk about on this is like, the two kind of things are a fearlessness and a heart, ha- fearlessness and hard work are kind of two things or fearlessness and, and the desire to want to have this alternative career and the hard work to succeed are the two common denominators. So I'm just curious of, whether they supported that alternative avenue for for work, and also whether you know you're a hardworking guy from the outside, it seems. Anyway, you might be fucking completely just lucky, <laughs> but That's it's see so it. you lucky. do your podcast, you're on the road all the time, so yeah, you've 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 worked hard to get where you are. So I'm like, did you get? Does the hard work get installed in you as well as the fearlessness from both or either?
3: Yeah, I mean, well, I, the first part, I mean, I think. You know, I gravitated to... I was not a good student. The only thing that I had ever really achieved in in school was drama or acting or or improv. I started doing a lot of improv in high school. And so I think that... And I actually didn't talk to my father, uh, not because of the cave drumming, for, for most of high school. And then we started to... Um, have a relationship again when I was in college, so there really for, with my father, there wasn't necessarily a time where I was like, "Hey, I'm going to pursue this." You know, I just kind of started to do it, but he he helped me go. He helped pay for my college, um, which was a you know a, a theatricalish school, um, and my mother, I think, yeah, I mean, I think she definitely would have craved more stability, but was not not supportive. I mean. I, I think she recognized that it was kind of the only heat that I had found in the world that, you know, the, uh, it was the only thing that I and I'd wanted to do it for so long. It was I. so I think she was sort of maybe preconditioned a little bit to the idea that that was going to be what I pursued. But even then, when I moved to L.A., you know, I mean, it was I, I remember one time I was I worked construction for my brother for a, a good time, too. And I remember I like I would I'd made a pilot uh, for Comedy Central and it got passed on. And then it, and then things this is right before I went back to kids birthday parties things were really starting to kind of just fall apart. Oh, and no. um and I remember my brother at one point I needed to borrow money from my brother. And I was just sitting there eating a free meal at his house with his wife oh, and God. you know who they were there and he just goes, "So what's your plan?" Oh. I was just like <laughs> I just was like, Jesus. "I don't know." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and um so but, but so she definitely hung in there, but I definitely think there was, you know, my, my brother was certainly like suggesting maybe I start taking like tiling classes and get the hourly rate up at like, at construction and things. And I was rejecting that going like, look, this is for me, this is just like a holding spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once things, I think once there were, you know, once some things started to happen, I always had blips. It wasn't consistent, but I always had blips because I was working pretty hard. And I think that really kind of helped keep her supportive and keep them feeling like if I kept working hard, it would at some point change. I didn't start doing stand-up until I was like, you know, 30. I didn't start like when I when I started doing comedy in L.A., I, st- I didn't want to do stand-up for ages because I just did not like the idea of it, it just seemed too too hard. Um, But then eventually I bit the bullet and just kind of like went into that. And that, that, you know, that opens up a whole new avenue. And then podcasts, you know, really helped me a lot. So I think since then, obviously, they're like supportive but it it was tough but they never were like have you thought about being a lawyer or anything okay. like that you know there was they never, never that, that pressure really. interest what, yeah. what did you what did your did your mom have a job when
1: she was in Wisconsin
3: yeah she was a, she was a toy sales rep so she would go around to toy companies and, and try to sell them toys uh, interesting the, which is su- well yeah. is
1: she successful w- Were like when so when you were a kid then was she out with both parents out working even before like your dad kind of lost touch my,
3: my dad work. had a more traditional you know day in a, in wisconsin job but yeah my mother was on the road a lot my mother would go drive you know she would drive all around the midwest and yeah they, they both did was she was the road comic she'd like she was totally the road comic. well it's always so funny now because i'll be like you know uh, i i've got to go to you know whatever new jersey this weekend oh i remember i had a toy convention she's got one story yeah. that is adjacent to every location Um, That's good. I I, I, I had a layover in Sacramento, not a lovely town, you know, (laughs) that sort of stuff. So she can relate on every level. Um, But they, you know, they, I mean, it was in the the 90s or 80s. I mean, it was a lot easier to carve out a living, but they both did pretty well. You know, it was not like, um, I was, my friends were definitely, had families that were very affluent. Mine was more of a middle class, but, you know, they were never like... It was never like my mother, who would be like, "Yeah, you know, I mean, when I hear her her stories about like we'd get meat once a week." I'm like, "What the fuck?"
1: Yeah, I know. That's why that's why my parents don't understand my veganism. My mom's like, "Why would you?
3: Why would you?" Oh not? yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're they're just, why would you not eat your like, meat?
1: Why would you not eat meat with just all meat? Why would you not just eat a plate of meat every day when that's available to you now? But um, but that's interesting though because then you, whether they're telling you to or not, you see them out hustling that's interesting compared to your friends being uh, that's something that connects with me weirdly a lot of my because I went to I went to a very nice school but my dad was like having to hustle to get me like man he was pulling some (laughs) like I don't know what shit he was pulling to like keep me in there but it'd always be this thing where I feel like he had to I don't know, like mug. He probably just day had keys had that worked on certain doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> just so sneak you in. If anyone hasn't seen yeah. on my Instagram, I'm going a Gareth Foster. Seeing this video, my dad has so many keys. Uh, there's a like, few, no, like about fifty keys on his key key uh, keychain. It's crazy, lunacy. Um, he's just a disorganized human. But um, but then I wonder if that's the thing then. When you're around those people who have everything relatively easily, and your parents are like, not necessarily, it's not like they're every day like, I gotta work. Do you see them just having to like constantly be hustling to give you a decent life? It's sort of that's ingrained in you. So when you go into the comedy, you're like, well, I can either just. Well, you said you had a Comedy Central thing; it didn't go. You could have just gone. Well, that's annoying. I'll wait for the next thing. But then obviously, there's part of you that is inbuilt to keep hustling and keep doing those kids' parties to keep you afloat whilst uh, whilst you're kind of working on your stand-up? Or am I just completely um, no, projecting no, that's... a thing in you that isn't there? <laughs> That'd be
3: hilarious if it was <laughs> I, went, Not at all, actually, you Chris. You know shit, Chris. <laughs> you just Chris, it. you're crying, so uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on with you. Um, uh, no, that that's very true. I mean, I think that, you know, they, I did see them work hard. I I mean... And, yeah, I, I also think that when I watch, you know, there there are friends of mine who I grew up with who, again, were basically handed great situations. Um, Yeah, I don't know if you're as prepared to be a boss. I mean, you see it a lot where it's like it kind of skips a generation or a couple generations, you know. It's like g- in, within your family, a couple generations will struggle and then someone will probably, you know. you. I mean, I have relatives who are, Who have done very well and like their their kids do well as well but it's not the same where you've had to kind of carve out your own thing and really stress about money and stuff like that when you when you really you know when when you live out here and you kind of work in this business um you do just start to recognize if you don't have that that safety net if you don't i remember when i went to college there was a friend of mine I, I when I was in college, I would do a lot of voiceover stuff to make money. I worked at uh, a couple restaurants too, but I would also, you know, I'd have like weird little entertainment gigs that would would be enough to keep me afloat. But I would have friends that would try to relate to me. I'd be like, I'm broke, you know. I'd be smoking GPCs and, you know, be be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and you know, I'd have friends who go, I'm broke too, you know. And then my one friend would go, I'm so broke, you know. I'll, let's go get some sushi. I'll put on my dad's credit card, and I'd be like, Wait, no, you're you're not. That's not broke. Like, that's yeah. not what I'm experiencing in the world. Um, but I, I... So I th- I definitely think that, you know, you kind of sink or swim based upon your, your ability to reinvent, pick yourself up off the mat. And, you know, I've had many versions of stability that just have kind of gone away, even recently, you know, where I was, like, writing on shows for years, and then that has kind of, like, um, for the time being, evaporated. And so you... The luxury of that is that there's there's always options for which you can kind of find which way, you know which what is the best direction to go right now. Where's the heat? But the downside of that is that it took years and years of getting kicked in the dick with things that you thought were going to work out that just didn't. Um, so I think it it's a combination. I mean, it's a combination of you know parents' work ethic, also probably having you know parents that. My mother especially grew up, you know, so poor that, Mm -hmm. you know, she made me feel poor at times, even though we weren't poor. And then and then, actually experiencing being poor on my own multiple times in L.A. Where, you know, where I'm like, I don't have enough to to pay for my bills or I have to borrow money or have to downsize or whatever it is, you know. Um, Yeah, no, I think. All of those. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it's. Yeah, some stuff it is like lived experience as well as the stuff you've you've kind of seen them go through. It all, no, it all adds to the it all adds to what is Gareth Reynolds, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's time for me to go to the cave and beat the drums. Yeah, probably. I know. So just I'm curious. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. You said you and your dad fell out for a bit. Was there any specific reason that that brought that about? You don't have to talk about it if it's too uncomfortable. But
3: uh, I'll talk about it for money. Uh no. Um I uh,
1: very, <laughs> what if that, I got very, to there.
3: Hundred <laughs> bucks I'll tell you as much all about
1: apple it. cider vinegar as you would like. Well.
3: Uh, if it doesn't have the gooey apple guts, I'll take it. <laughs> um no, it basically what happened was, you know, they had this very like when I was about seven, eight years old, something like that, my parents sat me down and they were like, We're getting separated. And I was like, oh, you're getting divorced. They're like, no, we're getting separated. Like, it, when I, I, I got braces when I was a kid, and the orthodontist put four braces on my teeth, and that was it. And every <laughs> dentist I've ever gone to is like, what? That's not a thing. <laughs> like, so this, the, it, it was kind of the like relationship version of like <laughs> bridging this weird, yeah, of like the four teeth braces. Um, They were like, we're getting separated. So it was like they weren't getting divorced. They weren't together. My father was moving out, but he was still going to be there a bit. I think they were trying to kind of like preserve my sanity to some extent. But in the long run, they only, you know, elongated a nightmare. But so it was very confusing. And that went on for like seven years my parents would be back together it would seem Mm -hmm. like there were there were no like updates where they were going just so you know we're trying to work it out now he's leaving again i would just kind of be sitting there going like oh he's back he's moving stuff in he's spending the night here they're sleeping in the same bed oh he's leaving again he's not coming back oh he's back but now he's sleeping on the couch bed but they still seem to be like kind of affectionate towards so i was always trying to gather
1: was like an Australian just kept coming back and crashing on the
3: sofa. Yeah, yeah he's just walking about. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, and never had shoes either, yeah. um, so very similar. But uh, So I was kind of left to construct what I thought it was for a long time. Well, then when I was about 14, knowing some more information now, what was going on was my mother wanted to take another crack at it. And this was coming off of a time when my mother had said she didn't want to take another crack at it. Well, at some point in there, my father at the secondary place that he kept for which I went a couple to. He shared a duplex with these uh, Milwaukee twins named Ellen and Eileen. And I'd go there every now and then. It it would be like, you know, like when you watch a cop movie from like the early 90s or late 80s. And he opens the fridge and it's like got some soy sauce, some mayonnaise. And he smells the mayonnaise. He's like, whoa, don't use that. Yeah, one beer. beer, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just beer, like a baking soda, uh, apple cider vinegar. Um, it was basically that. And so th- my mother had suggested, you know, let's take another crack at it. My brother was now working uh, at the place where my father worked, but my brother was working in the warehouse. And my brother went over there one day and realized my father was um, sleeping with uh, a, a woman who worked at the company, And so my brother was kind of now privy to this information. Well, he, you know, held on to it for a a couple days, trying to figure out how to tell my mother, told my mother. um, My mother was completely heartbroken by it, and then that kind of trickled down onto me. And then, so I kind of, like, found that out. And and the combination of watching my mother shatter, as well Mm. as feeling like, you know, there was this total other side of my father's life, just kind of fell upon me in a way where i just you know i was 14 and i just and i was already having a really you know a a struggle in general probably partially because of that never feeling like it was actually in place but other reasons too school was not good for me and um and all this shit and so that all kind of conflated in this moment where i just kind of i just i just for whatever reason, not, I did not want to talk to him and I just was done with him. And, um, through my parents' divorce, that was the one thing I kind of held true to. Mm-hmm. And I was allowed to, you know, through fighting really through court when they were getting divorced, I was allowed to not talk to him. And, um, and yes, yeah, so we had this non-relationship. I would see him maybe once a year or something and I would begrudgingly do it and make the hangout a nightmare. I'd bring my friend Graham with me, who would my father hated. And um <laughs> and I my my goal was to just and, and by the way, he ended up that that woman that he was hooking up with ended up being pregnant and was probably pregnant like around the time we found out. So his um, long term uh... strategy just didn't seem right. Then they got married. Oh my uh, God. And since divorced. Um so it was this whole fucking thing that Jesus. uh yeah and th- and now we have a great relationship um well, that's yes good. but it went through that machination that was pretty impossible
1: well that's um that sounds i mean that's so you're also another thing that really like struck me there is like an intro when your parents are doing this back and forth thing for those few years you're like left to just kind of they don't know what the fuck's going on and then they're just like because they don't really and then you all have to go i have no idea what's going on which is um which i think in builds in builds in you like a weird sort of sense of i just got to figure stuff out myself which is a uh, another thing that kind of goes hand in hand with what you'd now do as a job you've got to figure shit out yourself like rather than them sit down and go this is yeah. what's happening because i don't know and it's, it's kind of a, a it's an early life lesson that i wouldn't advise anyone necessarily go through but it probably in builds in you this kind of this kind of uh resolve and this ability to just kind of just crack on with life a little bit um
3: i think that is really true i mean i i've i've even said that when you know when my mother has kind of apologized for that time you know i mean any trauma it's like you know you you obviously don't want to go through it i mean it's it's trauma so it's difficult and but at such an early age i was going through one of the hardest parts of my life as a i mean as a kid, and it did it it did teach me some resolve to you know that 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 you can't beat the you cannot ignore the fact that that time will change things mm-hmm. in whatever capacity when things are good time it will change and bad things will happen when times are bad time will change and and better things will be around the corner so um and it did. It it teaches you resiliency. I mean, it. it was, I, I mean, like you're saying, like obviously, like no, my father and mother weren't waiting around the corner. Like you see, now you're ready for. Like they were just yeah. fucking idiots who just were not communicating to a child emotionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did. It really. It it. I I thought that a lot. I also think it's completely like fucked up my ability to have like a normal relationship. Um, you know, where I live in fear of the. Mm-hmm pending pain of come. like i'll I'll end a relationship early that's like going pretty well Eh, it's not gonna work out you know and they'll be like yeah that's we love each other i know we love each other but it's just who who are we kidding i mean we're we're sitting here playing house come on this isn't
1: this is interesting i used to have um i used to just similar commitment issues but was i don't think i ever got that far i would just be like i am not even going to give this the opportunity to be i do that now yeah because i didn't yeah. want to have a relationship that I but then you just you just yeah i mean i'm not <laughs> I'm about, to, I'm about uh, to i don't know what tell me I'm I, about. no tell i don't me. know you're just got to get lucky and just you got to just let go of that shit and see what happens right but um but
3: that's that's not yeah. easy i'm not well how do you but but i mean how often are you traveling and on the road well to be fair I can't
1: like. Partly why I moved out here was because I want to do more writing and and stuff. Stuff that meant yeah. I didn't have to travel so much. I do think traveling right. away from over half is actually good now and again. I feel like every weekend is too much. Yeah, and then it gets. But when we started going That's, out, she, she thought I did one gig a. month. She didn't understand the comedy in the UK. She was like, "So you like one gig a month?" I'm like, uh, "No, I do." I was I was away like six six nights a week out here. I'm much more like three nights a week, even just like local shows or whatever. And, and we also, we write together on like, a, we were just finished writing a right. show together. We're writing teams, so that's, that's kind of lucky. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be awful, but it, luckily it's good. <laughs> I could imagine it in certain relationships be terrible, but it is good. But yeah, it's, that's just like a bit of luck. It's like a combination of meeting someone you get on with and also having shared ambition, which I think is a very hard, that's a hard duality to kind of achieve. How long have you been married? Six years.
3: Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I definitely, I find that now, too. I think it's like, and it's probably some, you know, version of all of this combined for me, where it's like, the fact that I now am able to travel and work, even during a fucking nightmarish uh, societal time, I, I that, to me, takes precedent over anything. Like, that, to me, is like, keep that security going. Do not let that go away. And I think you do sacrifice the ability to also in that time find balance to have like a healthy normal relationship Mm. you
1: know yeah it's very it's it's yeah it's a difficult you're it's a that's one of the shit things about the industry really he's got to be yeah finding that balance but yeah it's very but i like the fact that you've um i feel like there's a good a good kind of lesson the fact fact you and your dad now get on really well and stuff and like you the the thing you said about time was interesting. I feel like people were so like something's fucked or something's amazing and then just give it time. You'll grow and people can repair stuff when, and that's I think that's important. Especially after the last couple of years. I'm like, that's nice that you guys are in a good spot now after what was a shitty time. Yeah.
3: No, I mean and I mean, you probably know this to some extent. Like you do to some extent. Start to parent your parents eventually. Oh, and, so much! And you know, <laughs> like I I'm like. Too. I'm sure, for, you know, your father. You're like, go to your room. Uh, don't go to your room. Give yeah. me the keys. God damn it! I like. Just, um, yeah. just stay there. Uh, don't move. <laughs> yeah. Just don't move. Just stay frozen. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The floor is lava. Yeah. Um. But I, you know, so you, you, I've kind of, I do enjoy that part of it as well because, you know, I feel like. You know, my father has had some real. My father had a stroke, literally almost a year ago to the day, and totally thought he was going to die. And then, not only did he survive it, he's had like this miraculous recovery where it's pretty much. I mean, it's it's just a crazy situation. It's not normal, but he's had a pretty much miraculous recovery where it's it's a barely impacted. It really hasn't impacted him long term. That's great. Um. So you have that as well it's like you know you makes you really appreciate Mm -hmm. them a lot i recognize the realities of you know the health of your parents and how you do need to have an understanding of you know the the fact that this doesn't go on forever but really do enjoy the the sharing of experience and you know getting to know your parents as adults and like you know i love both my parents but i also really am friends with both of my parents that's now great in a way that yeah is very very satisfying
1: that's great one thing i started doing in the pandemic actually i started um i started recording on zooms just in case one of them was gonna die and then weirdly my mom i've talked about this before is like she got diagnosed with very advanced cancer but she's actually doing really well fighting it right now and this crazy yeah. therapy is really helping but yeah, I was like, it's funny though. When I was doing it, we did it, and then my sister just went. I sort of didn't. I should have told them, but I didn't. I was like, I want it to be candid. My sister went, "Are you recording us?" She went, <laughs> "She went, stop." Well, she's the only us. one who notices. notices <laughs> the <laughs> thing that pops up. Yeah, and yeah, says, yeah, yeah. My parents don't they, know. What the someone's recording doing.
3: this. They just went, clicked the got
1: it. They're like, got yeah. It. My sister just went, "Don't, don't record this." And I was like, oh, "Come on!" But then you know. But you. What the point? I being, It's that, nice though. to keep these to keep these memories and these these because the. You know, this could be a podcast where I get people to come and bitch about their parents, but actually, it's not. It's more like people appreciating and understanding they're just two people trying their best and fucking up like we all do, and having a having a connection with them is is important. I think I
3: always think about teachers. How you know, when you're like 30 years old, and you are the age of your teachers. And you're like, yeah, they were probably fucking hung over too. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you, you they look they seem to be these deities for a while, and then when you become that age, you go, oh, they're just two fucking people who had to know, figure out exactly a, a complicated situation. You know, um, I have that whenever I'm when a doctor you, I mean,
1: that's like my age, I'm like, what? Well, how do you know stuff, mate? <laughs> like,
3: how do yeah. you know about no? Yeah. How do you know about inside things in the body, or how about have you ever? I mean, I I've had this where you're you're talking to like. You know, like executive, like TV executives are like twenty four, and I'm just like this fucking piece of shit. I know.
1: This do you know? I realize that about representation pimple. out here. I'm like, you're just a fucking oh, yeah, guy struggling it. to make it in industry. You don't know anything. <laughs> you're just like, yeah. You're like, I hope this guy does well, and then I can get money off
3: him. You don't know. Well, the smart play is is to go that route to be like the person who makes money off the people, not to be the person who's like, I got to make the money, because then you have like. 15 people who are going to one of them's going to I mean you're just yeah. playing odds essentially. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Um but uh but yeah, I mean I really I do I often think that like, you know, my like when I think back to how you know, my mother, I mean the the idea of not having a child or not getting married when my mother was 19 was not that was just not in the cards. I mean it was just the next step. It was what you mm-hmm. did. And there's a lot of people who, sort of like you said about your parents, I have relatives in my family who I'm like, I mean, if these, if they were a, couple, a young couple now and had this amount of friction, there's no way they would stick through it. Yeah. There was just this, like, you just put your fucking head down and keep going. And that's really what my parents did. But a lot of it was just the pressure of what people tell you you're supposed to do, which oh, you nice. still get. I mean, you still get people now who, you know, tell you what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and then you just it's just not true anymore. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Spot on, man. Um, this is a bit, we've got to wrap this up before I do though. Um, I have my dad, I get him to research the guests a little bit and by that I send him a Wikipedia. So, <laughs> Great. he has Got a question. I love what I'm
3: hearing already. Okay. He's great. got
1: a question for you based great. on his research about who you are that uh, producer Paul okay. is going to play to you right now.
0: The question I was going to ask him was: um, had you he heard of the famous train journey that Abraham Lincoln did when he became uh, president? Because when we moved to Eastbourne, one of my great success stories just in the first few months oh, was involved in selling a ticket, on which was. Inv- for this train journey, the tre- the tremendously important train journey in the sort of Eastern part of America. Tickets are terribly rare. There are any- there's a few in the Library of Congress and one turned up here in Eastbourne which I sold for, I don't know, 5,000 quid or something. That uh, that would be about $7,000. I don't know what the exchange rate is. Okay,
1: so way. I'll ask him if he knows a lot about this train journey. Just so you know, he's not 270 years old, so he wouldn't have been there at the time. But <laughs> but you no, sure no, wish no
0: but if he's interested in the historic figures. Okay,
1: I'll ask him. All right, there we go. So <laughs> I that I really have encapsulates have my dad. He, t- he had to show off how much money he made from selling an old train ticket. So...
3: The, you know, obviously, the your question podcasts. really became about your father, which is amazing. Yeah, well, it, I don't what
1: was the. He wants to know if you know about an Abraham. The, the question pre- is, I,
3: do like, I know about that journey? Was yeah. the initial question? Yeah, that was the initial question. The exchange rate for how much he actually made for the ticket that he got <laughs> because it ended up in your town. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, okay, well, to answer. your <laughs> It's amazing question. Amazing question. Uh, I don't I don't know if I know about that one specifically. I mean, you know, that was how they used to have to sort of drum up support were with, 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 with train rides. So I don't know if there must be something more to it. I would like to counter with a question for your father. See okay. if he knows about what happened to Lincoln's body after he died. Because Ooh. Lincoln's body after he died was not, it was not buried for ages. It was buried a couple of different times. It was one of those bodies where they were sort of fighting over where the final resting place would be. There was a mausoleum where it was put in under the Capitol. Then I think the body was stolen. Uh, then it did actually, I believe, do an, its own like tour where people could okay. go see. You know, this is when they would be like go see bodies. So. Ask him that and see if he's gotten uh, any tickets for that journey because that okay. would probably be worth a pretty pay.
1: All right. Uh, that will be asked on the Patreon, which is coming with this series. Yeah. So that will be oh, – <laughs> I'll throw it back in his face, see how he handles it. Yeah, He'll probably no. Know. He knows – that's what he – I said to you, he knows history, food, and money. Those are the well, two my, things.
3: Well, my podcast, the thing is that I am the one who doesn't know anything. So I You're feel like the, yeah. we've maybe covered some of it on there before. Mm. But my, on my Wikipedia, it must, it, it must say something about – how I, like, it's a historical podcast. You, yeah, you're over This guy knows history. How,
1: how, okay. Yeah, exactly. How detailed. My dad's not going to learn that you're the one that is the knowledgeable. No, no. He just, he
3: saw it's a history show, so he like, saw this history. guy knows his shit. He saw history. Yeah, right. He saw
1: America. He said Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. That's what he did. Um, yeah. He goes, I've got final, a trade ticket. Yeah, he's he's got a trade ticket. Um, all right, final thing before we go. I'd like to wrap this up. All our guests, are trying to get him to say, my dad's still trying to get him to say I love you. Although if he does, then the whole podcast premise is ruined. But do yeah. you have anything you would like me to, to to pass on to my dad to encourage him to drop an I love you? Any sort of wisdom maybe passed out from your parents? Here's what him? I would say.
3: Well, I don't know if this is passed on from my parents necessarily. But Whatever, from you. That works. And, and I, you know, sometimes uh, and relationships, again, which I've already uh, said I'm terrible at, but sometimes – There are moments where you say things not because you want to say them, but because of what it will do for someone else. Mm. And, you know, so I I remember many times where I've said I'm sorry over things that I thought were bullshit. So there's nothing wrong (laughs) with gifting your son with an I love you, even if it doesn't feel like something that you feel like saying. Just to see... What it does for him. Interesting.
1: I love that. I love that because that sounds. <laughs> I also, I'll pull a sorry just to get this argument over with, mate. Oh. So,
3: the day he's I, done. Well, that was this, a learned lesson. Yeah, it you just. Know, there were multiple just, it, times where I was like, "I'm not sorry," and then eventually I was like, oh, "I know what I'm supposed you're like, to this do." This is a way. How do we, how, do we,
1: how do we um how do we uh, take the um the mario kart shortcut across the lap just say sorry and you just yeah from rainbow road what what is my apple down.
3: cider vinegar <laughs> yeah
1: solve
3: yeah exactly it's just a simple i'm sorry just a simple i'm sorry yeah.
1: and then a simple i love you i love that mate thank you for spending time doing this so do you want to plug your pods people should know it already but do you any sure
3: you want to do uh, or anything you want? yeah uh, my my podcast is, uh, <laughs> uh, well, then I, I'll see you later, buddy. Take care. Um, no, I uh, my podcast is The Dollop, uh, you can, and we're on tour uh, all over the country. We're actually in Australia coming up. You can go to dolloppodcast.com. I am a touring comedian. You can go to garethreynolds.com. Uh, and if you like stories about uh, English parents, if, I remember when you saw me do one of my sets at Westside, you said to me, God, you really got the English. <laughs> like yeah. there's, And it wasn't even, it was really through just linking material. But eventually I was like, yeah, there's like a 15-minute chunk here where I am just slagging off the English. After I'd been um, on as can, well, so it was like you were like, fuck this guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 That's right. Right after you. Yeah. Um, so you can go to com for uh, any of that information. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much, man. I love you. Thank you. Love you. See? Feels good, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> I, really,
1: I like throwing it out and seeing who's like, oh, I'll say that back. And you were like, oh, I
3: guess gonna, I have to say
1: it, even though I don't really want I to. I love you. Yeah. Love you.
2: A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.